So as you all know, we're in a vision series right now. And here at Heart of the City Church, we exist to be a people after God's own heart. To know God, to find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Last week, J.O. shared such a beautiful message on know God. Would you guys not agree? Come on. It's the foundation of our faith to confess him as Lord and Savior, to truly know God and his character, right? To be known by him and know him. Today, we're going to be digging a little deeper into the next portion of that, which is called find freedom. So how do we find freedom? The primary way that we do that through the church is small groups. But what takes place in small groups that leads us to finding freedom? What I would submit to you today is the primary, we find, the primary way we find freedom in small groups is through the power of confession. So the title of the message today is Let Go. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather in your house and worship your holy name. God, we pray that the word would go on good soil tonight and would produce fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Oh, hey. Oh, there's a lot of people with their phones on. You can really tell when the lights are off. How hard is it to see in the dark? One misstep and I could fall off this stage. Okay, I don't want to do that. Do you think that you could direct me to the stairs and off the stage without me falling or getting hurt? Well, let's take it to the next level because there's some light in this room. Close your eyes. Do you think with your eyes closed in complete darkness, you could lead me to the stairs from where I'm standing right now without me getting hurt? It would be difficult for me to do this myself, but even harder to have you give me direction if you are also in darkness. We can turn the lights on. Come on. How hard would it be? How hard is it to lead someone if you're all already in darkness yourself? If you're going to remember anything about what I tell you tonight, I would hope that this one little piece of information would click with you. Confession stirs spiritual growth. It strengthens relationships, and it leads to repentance. It stirs spiritual growth, it strengthens relationships, and it leads to repentance. The main context of scripture that we're going to be diving into tonight is 1 John. 1 John is a summary of the message of Jesus Christ. Some people call it like John's thesis of the entirety of Jesus' word. And it consists of two parts. First, positivity, or God is light, or absolute holiness. And two, negatively, in him there is no darkness or sin at all. The purpose is to remind the reader of the truth of God and invite them into living as he did. To live in the light, with the light, and to avoid and destroy the darkness. The letter was written as a correction to false teachings by the Gnostics who claimed to have a relationship with God, but they were walking or living in moral darkness. Sound familiar? Not just the outward appearance of who we are. The inward, because that's what God sees. So let's jump into our main scripture tonight. 1 John 1, verses 4 through 9. 
We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Our joy may be made complete. I love that John starts this teaching with the focus on his joy being made complete. And the purpose of writing this letter was so that the believers would be able to not, be in, not impair their own joy, but be continually filled by maintaining their relationship with God. He speaks this letter as an encouragement. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Y'all, we must walk in the light. Now, that doesn't suggest that we'll be perfect, right? None of us are perfect, only he was. But more so, it presents that if we stay in the light, we will not be drawn back into the darkness. Or... That we, would, that, that we would not appear as darkness, but would appear as light. Have you ever met that person right when they come to know Jesus and they're just crazy on fire? And they just kind of walk into a room and everything erupts in light? It's because all the darkness has been removed and they're shining bright for the first time ever. It's so beautiful. I love it. He doesn't just look on the outward appearance. He's looking at our heart. The fruit of living this way then becomes our outward appearance as light when we remove the darkness from ourselves. Psalms 139 verse 11 and 12 says this, If I say surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is light with you. Man, I don't usually get trapped in the, the Psalms very often, but man, when I saw this verse, it just stuck to me. I'm like, what do you mean, God? Like, even if you're in darkness, you are light. Like, so there isn't any darkness when you're in the room. And I thought of this analogy when it comes to what we're going to be discussing tonight, finding freedom through the power of confession. And I remembered when I used to work at a restaurant. How many people have been a line cook? Come on. Yeah, I was singing, man, most of us probably started there, right? Someone started there. Well, if you've ever been a line cook or if in your own home you have one of those plastic cutting boards, have you ever seen a plastic cutting board that's been used so much that it's almost starting to turn gray or black or brown or some color that should not be on the thing you're cutting and preparing your food on? This is actually a form of mold that starts growing in the plastic. And there's different ways that you can get that mold out of your cutting board. One, you can go to war with different chemicals, okay? But then again, this is the thing that we are cutting our food on. Two, you can go on Amazon and have it delivered to your front door to free, free two-day shipping and just get a brand new one. Or three, something I learned working in a restaurant is we would take the cutting boards out and put them outside in the sunlight. Come on, people. And by, by the end of the day, the light would have destroyed the darkness or the mold that was growing on the cutting board. Isn't it interesting that the God we serve is not a God that we have to go through all these practicalities to come to him. We just simply stand and say, there you are. And he makes us new and he washes us white. Well, I stared directly in that light. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> First John Verse 8 and 9 says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whew! That's a good verse. That's a verse we need to remind ourselves of regularly. So if you're taking notes tonight, one of my first big points that we're going to dig into is confession stirs spiritual growth. Whew! Yum. Confession is the means in which we find freedom. As a follower of Jesus, our life should be marked by the pursuit of righteousness. But we also need to know that when we fail, there is still forgiveness. As we confess our sins, we remember the gospel. Come on. That Christ lived, he died, and rose so that we could be forgiven. When we walk in the truth, we put away sin's deceitfulness. And we come before God and we come before others and we find freedom. The first thing that we do to start our relationship with God is confession. You thought about that? What do we do, J.O.? We confess him as Lord and Savior. We confess him as Lord and Savior. Confession and repentance are necessary parts of making progress in your spiritual journey. I hope most of us know that. (laughs) Confession is not only the start of our salvation, but also the means in which we work out our salvation. Right? Confession is not a one and done thing. Salvation is. You got that. Now, confess and repent afterwards. (laughs) Okay? Fellowship with God and others is founded on walking in the light. So I'll ask you this. Don't, you don't have to answer aloud unless you want to confess to the congregation. <laughs> Are you walking in the light? Yes. Happy to hear lots of yeses. <laughs> so I'll ask you this. Then who knows your intimate sins and temptations? Anybody else? Jesus is a right answer. It's just half of the right answer. (laughs) If no one in your life knows your weaknesses, temptations, and sin patterns, then you are in danger. I repeat, you are in danger. Jesus is great, but he's screaming to you like, tell somebody else. If no believer hears your confession, then you remain alone. What a terrible place to be. Other believers are God's gift to help you fight sin and endure the faith. The world might tell you that we just need to be individuals and and not rely on other people. And man, if you're sad or you're depressed, just keep it inward or take a pill. But that's not God's kingdom and that's not God's community. God's community is to do that with one another and to work it out. So yes, we confess our sins to God, but then we also confess them one to another. And I want to talk to you a little bit about my story. Because I don't know if you know me very well, but there's been a lot of things I needed to find freedom in. And a lot of things that I needed to confess when I first came to Jesus. I've found freedom in addiction. I've found freedom in lies. I've found freedom in lust. I've found freedom from comparison. I've found freedom from selfishness. And above all else, I have found freedom from the power of sin. But everything I found freedom in 
started with confession. The fear of confession can be paralyzing. But without it, we become numb and trapped in our sin once again. Confession for me didn't happen in the context of a weekend gathering. Confession for me took place in a small group atmosphere. Specifically, a rehab and then a discipleship home. Okay? Okay? (laughs) We're going there. So I want to share a story with you about a wonderful program called Good Samaritan here in town. I know I got some of my people in the house tonight. It's Saturday night. And I want to talk to you about a discipleship home I lived in with a man named John Padula. First off, man, I came to Jesus, and man, I was all over the place. I was still getting high for about six months, and when I finally came to my wit's end, it was great. God made me massively depressed. I'm like, why am I so sad and hate all this stuff? He's like, because I've given you eyes to see. So I go to rehab, and I am introduced to my first small group. I sit down in a room with eight to ten other men that are in the exact same season I am, dealing with the exact same sin struggles, well, to a certain extent. And what happens in two months in one of those houses is God takes the clay and he molds it into his creation. And there's this beautiful thing that happens in that atmosphere. That guys that are all tatted up head to toe or just got out of a rider and they're all big and buff or whatever. I used to work for the program too. So I've seen guys come in like, I'm not scared of you. And then two weeks later they're like, and they're sobbing in my arms. Guess why? confession. And I had the opportunity when I was in rehab to confess my sins one to another. Whew. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I really didn't like the guy I did it to originally. And then I fell in love with him. He's my best friend till today. Or well, still today. We actually prayed for him at the beginning of the gathering, the pastor of uh, Hayden Family Worship, Stephen Hemi. Come on. But then what happened was, is I left my first small group. And I transitioned back out into life. See, because I was in this nice, fuzzy, little, soft God box where all I had was Jesus and other people finding Jesus. And then we got out and we're like, oh, the world is still here. (laughs) But what helped me in that season is that I walked into my next small group, living in a discipleship home with six to eight other guys. And continuing to be intimate, continuing to confess sins to one another, continuing to grow and develop the character that I have today. I want to share a quote with you. This is from a website called the Gospel Coalition. I love this place. Confession of sin is one of the missing ingredients in the life of today's Christians. We feel bad all the time, but often it's over the wrong things. And when we do feel sorry for our sin, we don't know what to do with it. We feel like we'd be cheapening the blood of Jesus if we confess again. So we hesitate to repent. We feel bad, but we don't confess and enjoy a clean conscience. Some of us become Christians and just go on our merry way, never thinking of sin, while others fixate on the failings and suffer from despair. One person feels no conviction of sin. The other person feels no relief from sin. Neither of these two habits should mark the Christian. The Christian... Should be, one, should be one who often feels conviction, confesses, and is cleansed. You know what's so cool about Jesus? Man, I've been arrested a couple times, so I'm going to use an analogy of a courtroom because it works with my brain. But it's kind of like 
with Jesus, like things just change. I've been arrested. I got sin. I'm struggling with it. The judge figured it out. And instead of me getting a public defender or a lawyer, I just come straight forward and I said, I did it. And instead of getting the years in prison that I probably should have got, he said, that's all I needed. You're free. So why are we so scared to do it? Why are we so scared to do it? You don't need a lawyer. You don't need a priest. You just need you, Jesus, and community in small groups. Come on. So I'm going to do something that I was told not to do. And I'm going to look to Craig to make sure if I'm saying these words correctly or not, because we're going to go into the original language. Bear with me. I won't go in an accent this time. There's three key words in the New Testament for confession. <laughs> Hamalagio, examalageo, and hamalagia. He's laughing. We're doing great. But nobody knows, so we're good. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, or what's called the Septuagint, the Greek word hamalageo translates several Hebrew words. One of them is yada, which means praise, nader, to make a vow, or sava, to swear, to praise, to make a vow, to swear. Examalageo translates the Hebrew word yada once again over 120 times. And when it's paired with two other Greek words, it means to sing praises or to be thankful. It's extremely interesting to me that many of the Greek words and Hebrew words we translate for confession bring forth the idea that confession and praise are tied together. It's, it's almost as if when we confess our sins one to another that we're praising and worshiping God. And what flows out of a moment of freedom but thankfulness? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I was talking to Craig this week and he shared another little nugget with me about one of these words. Uh, Hamalagia. Hamalagia is a compound word of two different words. Hama, meaning the same, or lagia, meaning word or words. What it seems to say is that confession has to do with your words being one, or your words being united, or your words being true to who you are. In many ways, confession is the opposite or the antidote to hypocrisy. Hypocrisy being that your words are not one with your actions. They are not united. They are not the same. And one of them is untrue. With confession, our words are true to our reality and all is brought into the light. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Sin assures us that we're safe behind the masks of lies, but we're not. We avoid being honest with God and we try to appear okay to others. And in that dark void, we change. We change. We start to tell lies and eventually believe them. We resist the Spirit's nudge and quench His convincing voice. Slowly, hidden lies become normal. Confessing sin to another believer rips off the mask of hypocrisy so that we can breathe the air of honesty. 
It awakens our heart to feel again. And it removes the veil so we can see the fullness of what God has for us. Confession humbles us, which by nature uproots the pride that keeps sin alive and attractive to our soul. Matthew 3.8 says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In keeping with repentance. So, how do we go about confession? Well, we first confess to God, right? We got that nailed down. And then we confess to others. We're getting that nailed down. James 5.16, you've probably heard this many times. Confess your sins each to, uh, each to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Amen. So healing's now attached to it too. The earnest prayers of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Confession should be a normal part of life and an even more normal part of small groups. Confession changes the way we interact, the way we pray, and the way we pursue godliness. Which brings me to my next point. Confession strengthens relationships. Confession strengthens relationships. In a small group setting, walls come down when everyone walks in the light. But this doesn't just happen. We must choose to set aside our pride and talk openly about sin. Initially, this talk feels uncomfortable. But the sooner we do it, the sooner grace-fueled relationships begin. Isn't that beautiful? God has a unique plan for every small group. So confession will look different for each one. You give me permission to be real with you all tonight? Okay, I hear yeses. I'll ask you this. Do you, does your small group trust you? Do they trust each other? Are your relationships grounded in the truth? Come on, those are all good yeses. Or are you skirting around issues, especially sin? We must pursue grace-fueled, honest relationships by praying about and practicing confession with great intentionality. With great intentionality. We help one another grow in godliness by confessing specific sins and being open to feedback, teaching, and even grace-filled rebuke. I know we don't like that word, but it's really healthy and it produces a lot of fruit in your life. <laughs> I can remember times I've been rebuked, and they've helped a lot. When we value small group confession, we ultimately value Holy Spirit transformation. Come on. Proverbs 18.24 says this. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. By sharing with a few friends consistently, you're providing a realistic picture of your pursuit of holiness. Because none of us are perfect. And if you think you are, come talk to me at the end. <laughs> Your prayers can then be more informed and your counsel can be more specific. I have a friend that knows everything. He's my bestest and closest friend in the world. And I think he's watching online right now. I love you, Stephen. But he is the friend that knows every little thing. Every temptation, any pitfall, anything that's ever happened. 
And through it all, it's been a grace-fueled relationship. And I've watched as God has used me in my life and used him in his life to further the gospel. And I think a lot of it had to do with the power of confession. It's easy and dangerous to hide your sin in a crowd. But a closed circle of friends provides safety for your soul. But don't forget to share temptations. Temptation is not a sin, but it's dangerous. Learning to reach out to close friends when you're tempted is an essential part of resisting and not falling into sin. Secrecy strengthens sin. Some of us should write that down for sure, because... <laughs> Secrecy strengthens sin. I'm a youth leader, and I watch this stuff all the time. People blow up, or they're doing something stupid, and they meet up, and I'm like, well, what birthday? Well, I didn't tell anybody, or I didn't want to talk about it, or I didn't want to tell my friend, or they didn't want to tell this. Nobody wanted to say anything. Secrecy strengthens sin. So don't keep secrets. Keeping your struggle quiet can seem attractive since it lets you nibble a little longer before you flee. But sin is never satisfied. If you feed it, it only grows stronger. And the more you feed it, the harder it is to see that it's bad. It becomes normalized again. Exactly what we fought against, exactly what we were delivered from when we confessed him as Lord and Savior and we walked out of the darkness into the light, we start saying, no, I just, I just want to hold on to that relationship. I just want to, just want to keep living with that person. No, I just I want to hold on to that addiction. He, he, you know, he, he saved me from all this other stuff. And slowly we get right back where we started. Broken and alone and trapped in sin a prodigal son. So I'll leave you with this. Confession stirs spiritual growth. Confession strengthens relationships. And confession leads to repentance. See, y'all, if I didn't have my first small group in rehab where Stephen Hemming could hold me accountable, slap me across the face with a rebuke, and help me on my way. And if I didn't have the two years in my next small group, living with my pastor as I'm in a dating season, going to marry my wife, trying to be holy and keep my purity and honor her, which I did, probably benefit to my small group, I would not be where I am today. Not that I'm anywhere that, that you can't be. It's not about a stage or a platform. That was never my, my hope or desire. Most of the time you couldn't get me in the building. I like homeless people too much. <laughs> but see, if I didn't have those small group times and those intimate times of confession, I wouldn't be here with you today. Honestly, I might be back at it again, stuck in my sin, because I never let people know what was going on. Jesus made me whole, but he did not make me perfect. And I have to fight to be more like his perfection every day. And that only happens in community. I want to invite everyone to stand.